a listener production. Okay, are you recording? Hello and welcome along, Legends, to episode 173 of the Howie Games Part A, featuring the men's test captain of Australia, Pat Cummins. Pat is the very first full-time bowling captain of Australia, which is a far cry from turning up to games of cricket he wasn't playing in and scoffing down other people's tea while no one was looking. Pat, he loved a lamington. After performances like that, he was always destined for greatness. Pat is a real thinker about cricket and life, and he's prepared to speak up for what he believes in. Highly admirable trait in my book. So many lost and left behind. No one seemed to care Those who should seems like they're blind Pretending they're not there Can't they see they hold the key Could make things better if they try Oh my Jaja, tell me why Won't they open up their eyes Pat's good company, he's loved by his teammates He's respected by his opponents He bowls fast and has a movie star smile All that and he somehow remains humble. We are very lucky, in my opinion, to have him in charge of our national cricket team. Enjoy the story of Patrick James Cummins, a man with the courage of his convictions and the courage to voice them. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be revealed in King Selassie? Come on, children, try it with me. We want to reach Mount Zion. Welcome to the Howie Games, the Australian Test Captain here in Coogee, Pat Cummins. Paddy, great to see you. How are you going? Good, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Just down the road from home. Oh, I'm pumped to have you. I, I like... I watch what you guys do and you're always so prepared and I've got to be honest, mate, I've dropped the ball. I've come for three days off and I left a vital piece of equipment behind. So how do you reckon the setup's going at the moment? I claim yeah. to be Australia's number one sporting podcast. I've got a couple of bits of lack of band. There's wires surrounding you and my microphone is leaning on a rubbish bin. If I was a test batsman, how easily do you think I'd be to get out at the moment? It'd be tough to move your feet with all the wires going on around here. <laughs> Um, I did ask you what prep you need from me. You yeah. said nothing. I said, nothing. Oh, okay, well, I'll go down to the Coogee Pavilion for a couple of beers, yeah. you know, just get a good feel for... And how'd the prep go? Good, yeah, happy. Um, prepped very hard. Good. Uh, probably an extra hour than I probably needed to. Oh, but, that's okay. Ah, feeling good. Um, the other thing, I, I welcome you to the... Mag- and you say, oh, you must spend a lot of time here. I welcome you to the magnificent Crown Plaza Coogee. During the test match, we're lucky enough. Typically, because of the king. Because Warney, first time we came here, blew up. We didn't have good rooms. And ever since then, we've got these amazing ocean views. Yep. But today, we're back to old school. So I welcome mm. you to Coogee Bay, view of the tennis court. Sort of raining in Sydney, surprise, surprise, and yep. the block of flats. How do you like it? Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's I think that the king would find it pretty tough to smoke in this not, room. He wouldn't stay in this room <laughs> for more than two minutes. He'd ring our production manager, Tracy. I wouldn't. That was the, that's the thing about the King. If we'd get to a dodgy hotel, I wouldn't say anything because I knew the King was arriving that day and I'd get a text probably an hour after I arrived, H, we're not staying here. Meet you downstairs in 10 minutes and we'd end up in a different hotel room. It's the same. Like Davey Warner's Is similar. It? It, not the hotel room but dinner reservations. No, we can do better than this. Right. Like just those little things that people are fine, just, you know, we'll cop it. It's just, 
you just every team needs one of them. It just it just has a lower threshold than and you. And that's Davy. Yeah. Well, that's good because obviously. It's a great tragedy in all seriousness that Shane is no longer with us, but it was announced that Davey's joining Fox whenever he decides to wind up his test career. So he, he could be my man if the hotel's not up to scratch. I exactly. just text him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it was, you know, I know his future contract, but we yeah. thought he might have been on for this. Some of the amount of spider cam <laughs> work he did. Work. And, I don't know, you had a half an hour meeting with him well, out there every day. <laughs> well, well, that day it was raining and I think I was lining up to do an interview with Nathan Lyon. I knew he was on board when he leaned over your magnificent old pavilion change room there and shouted out, mate, do you want a coffee? I thought, wow. <laughs> this, this we bug, don't get that treatment. This bug's really signed up at Fox, hasn't he? <laughs> uh, hotels, you must have stayed in a million. Talking about that, what's the best one you've stayed in? Question without notice. Where, where's oh. one where you've gone, wow, this is outstanding? Uh, Dubai's amazing. Dubai. Dubai. Um, I reckon Indian hotels, we always joke, they do the best blackout blinds. Like oh. you just sleep Which is for a hours. Key. Oh. It's a key. Massive key. You don't know what time it is when you wake up. It's that little game. It's like, is it 6 a.m. or is it 11 a.m.? You've got no idea. You go into a different world. Um, but, I mean, Dubai is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's one side of the equation. Where's a hotel where you've thought, oh, no, <laughs> in your cricket journey or in your life journey? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, India, you get the full spectrum. You get right. the most amazing, opulent five-star hotels and then you also get some places that, just look like they haven't been open for two years and they haven't. Like, <laughs> you know, you, they've got one place for dinner and you're seeing them defrost the food that's been in there for two yeah. years. Um, and by all b- reports, you know, that was the norm 20 years ago. So there's not too many of them. Um, they're all, I mean, yeah, they're all, you make the most of it. Everyone's, as long as you've got good internet for the boys to play PlayStation yes. on. I saw a lot of that in the test. How, how did you go during... We won't go too far because hopefully Paddy it's behind us forever. How did you go during lockdown when you couldn't leave your hotel and you go to the cricket ground, the hotel room? Did you find that difficult? Um, yeah, we. It was it was tough um, in a few regards. One, just knowing as soon as you're on a flight overseas, you're two weeks away from coming home. Yeah. Um, so the you know one of the times I flew off to the T20 World Cup, my son was three days old, four days old. So I left and, you know, one thing thinking, you know, they left alone, but also going, oh, geez, I'm two weeks away from being home if anything goes wrong. Did you cry when you left? I did, yeah. yeah. Only time ever really. Is it? Yeah, um, I get that. So I think that's you've never felt further away from home than, than during COVID. And then just the day-to-day, you know, you can't walk out and get a coffee. All the simple things which aren't big deals as a once-off, but when they compound over months and months, um, they do add up. So uh, on that side of it, it's quite uh, hard. I think all, all the same. at the same time, we're really appreciative that a lot of people were locked down at home and mm-hmm. we were on the other side of the world doing what we love doing and we're doing it with you know, 20 other guys who are our best mates. So it's kind of weird. Some parts of it really, really enjoyed. Some other parts were different and, and tough. Funny you say about, about the best mates, there was a, I don't know even the way to describe it, Paddy, there was a... No, no, there were stories floating around at the start of the summer that the Australian public had gone off the Australian cricket team. And I often think to myself, so, so I'll ask mates and friends and not one of them off the Australian cricket team. So I don't know if it's a media narrative, but I, I say to people at the start of the summer, and they're like, what are the players like? I said, watch, and I sent you a message about this the other day. I said, yeah. watch the first hour of Fox Cricket any day 
and you'll see these blokes are the nicest blokes <laughs> in sport. <laughs> uh, uh, to me, mate, it used, in all seriousness, it used to be the V8 supercars of all the sports I worked on, they were the most open and affable and happy to chat. But you, you, you watch Fox Sports now and you're giving us a, a bowling lesson on how to bowl in swingers before the game or Travis Head's in the net telling us what he's doing or Alex Kerr's explaining his keeping all with a smile on your face, all with as much time as the world as we want to get. That the teams have always been good, but in the last year, I don't know if it's a reflection of you taking over as captain or Andrew McDonald being coach. This is on you, not not on past history. But your cricket team is the nicest sporting team I reckon I've ever dealt with at the moment. Like they are outstanding men, and I never got the uh, the Australian public is off this team narrative as a result of that because of first hand experience. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, thanks for sharing that. Um, glad to hear it. Uh, we talk a lot about. Yeah, it's, it's like there's always you know, cliches and little lines mm. of you know block out the noise and and we really do have to in, in professional sport um, just to survive really more than anything else because there's so much that gets thrown about um, and I've, I've been really proud with how the guys have you know even something like the test documentary which has just come out you know we invited. I have yeah oh, how good yeah so good it was great I forgot half of the right. stuff that happened in it but. You know, even I was chatting to a couple of ex-players and they always ask, you know, what was it like bringing the cameras into the change room? Geez, I'd never do that. Mm. And there was a real sense of responsibility, I think, for the team of, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were the kids idolising the Aussie team. And I've been really proud with the group. Just I don't think they've lost sight of that, any of the guys. So whenever they do an interview, um, whenever they're happy to share kind of their, their lives on um, the test documentary, it is coming from an angle of what's best for cricket. You know, what's, yeah, we're so lucky to do this for a living. Um, we know there's a lot of fans that make that possible. How can we try and give them a show? Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you've kind of seen that because it's something we do talk about and, and do think about. Um, and, I mean, I'm biased, but boys are awesome. They're they so are. good. They, they are. Yeah. They're, like, they're awesome cricketers, but, like, if you... You know, if if I look at it, like Usman Khawaja, he, he's like he, he, funny guy, funny guy, great sense of humour. Alex Carey, well, nicest man. Travis Head, he's pretty quiet, but he's always giving with his time. You, you bowlers are all like, you know, Starkey's always walking around cuddling people. Like <laughs> away from cricket, good people, good people. Yeah, I think. Yeah, rock solid. Like, absolutely rock solid. Um, and just no fuss. You know, it's so easy to find drama and, and fuss in what we do. Especially, you know, add in time away from home, mm. pressure, people watching. It's so easy to create drama and find drama, but you know, this team is really good at just trying to avoid drama. So, uh, so how do you go when the drama's in your face? When people, when you're at a press conference, and yeah. how these questions are asked? I, I, I've, I, I'll be so uncomfortable asking them. If I tell <laughs> you, oh Pat, you know, read in the paper this morning that your team's disliked by the Australian public. Like, how do you handle that as a 28, 29-year-old with all the cameras on you when when you know the type of people that you're dealing with? Yeah, I think it's easy when I do know the type of people that right. you're dealing with. I think you can be apologetic or you can try and try and explain every situation until you're blue in the face. Yep. Um, but really, when, when you know that the guys that you're working with are A-grade people, I don't really feel like I need to do much explaining. It's mm. No, nah, it's different to our lived experience, you know. We go and play at the stadiums and the fans are still awesome, the kids are still awesome. So, yeah, there might be some callers into talkback shows or comments online that are saying otherwise, but you know what? 
it's not what we're experiencing. So you just can't let it affect you. And how do you deal with negativity in general, Patty? There's so much in your profession, in my profession. I'll show you my Twitter feed after a big bash game, and there's <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing there? Yeah. Who's this bloke in the comedy box? Like, it's constant, but people feel the need to vent. How do you deal with negativity yeah. that enters your world? Uh, I mean, it's it's easy to say that it shouldn't be out there, and of course, you know, it's, you'd rather it not be out there, but it is. Um, I, I think you've got to deal with it just like any other, um, any other aspect of of being a professional. Um, whether it's you know, physical, um, you got to prepare your body right, um, preparation, all those kind of things. I, I feel like it's a tool you can dial up, you can dial down. Mm. I think whenever a player says this is a joke, this is, you know, this noise has got to me, et cetera, et cetera, and blaming the people that are writing all the comments. I think they've they've missed the mark a little bit. I think it's, yeah, we don't have to open Twitter. We don't have to open Instagram. Like we do have some tools at our disposal, some levers we can pull. So um, personally I try to avoid it as much as I can. Um, I'm not great. Yeah, sometimes, you know, curiosity gets the better of me. But I think... If, if I just reflect on some of those comments and things people say or what I'm going to get asked and if I genuinely kind of honestly think they're off the mark to what I'm trying to do or how I've, you know, acted, basically, you know, if I can still sleep at night, look myself in the mirror, I move on with it really quickly. It, it really doesn't bother me. So it doesn't, like if you look at a direct message on Instagram and or someone sent you a, a tag, you... It, can you can you just put it straight behind you, or does sometimes it go? Oh, gee. If it's someone I don't know or yep. who I think has a really good opinion, yeah, I, I've, I'm much better now at just parking it to one side. To, right. um, then even you know, when, when you're younger, um, I feel like I've got better at that. Um, I think again, if it's you know someone who knows cricket and is around cricket or knows cultural teams or leadership and they've got an opinion in that space of course you give it a bit more weight and a bit more thought um again i i do feel like what we're doing inside our group is so hard to to understand unless you're in there every single day absolutely it's, it's hard to have an opinion on how someone's going when you just turn up for the first ball of the summer and you haven't seen them that they've been on the road away from their family for six months or yep. those nuances that um, sometimes gets gets missed. So who's in your life whose opinions do you value? Who, who do you look at and they say something to you and you're like, yeah, like my wife said something to me last night and I was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but she said it from a point of love and I was like, oh, gee. And I reflected on this morning. I said, okay, well, I probably need to be better on that area. Like whose opinions do you actually listen to and think, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wife's a big one. Um, again, she she's, knows me um, and really well so she knows what something's on my mind she also has a really good way of bringing clarity to me um on different situations so um you know we've got a 15 month year old child and like even the other day i was venting or, or doing something and she's like hey look at Abby. when he's 16 years old do you reckon he's really going to care that this thing happened and i was like oh yeah. kind of like a moment of clarity perspective um perspective so um you know she's great around the team um, there's some really good senior players that I think have a really good just 
bullshit radar. Yeah. Um, you know, Ronnie, Andrew McDonald, the coach, is fantastic at that. George Bailey, selector. Um, yeah, just, just, you know, people, some close mates outside of cricket, again, getting a good pulse on they absolutely love cricket. They're kind of, you know, in the public. Are these articles or just really getting the temperature of the room from people um, outside of the, the the immediate squad as well, brothers, dad. Um, so, yeah, lots of people I love chatting to and always pick up, you know, different different things from. Um, I'll ask you later who you think Pat Cummins is, but to give people an idea of who I think Pat Cummins is, you walked in here and you can use the chap's name, you can not use the chap's name. I don't want to embarrass you, but you just told me a brief story. You're out to lunch with a fella that had a connection with you for a long time. Could you share yeah. with me what you would just tell me that the chap you had lunch with and how long you've known him? Uh, yeah, I was just having lunch with um, Basil Sellers. I'm not sure if he's a listener. Sorry, how are you? Nah, well, he's not. He's, he's one of the few <laughs> we'll Australians that not Paddy. Get him involved. Um, but he's a uh, really, really generous supporter of um, of many charities, Australian sport, big supporter of cricket in New South Wales and, and Sydney Swans. But he... Um, and various charities all around the world. But he um, he has a, a scholarship program, Basil Sellers Scholarship, where he basically gives a you know, small donation to about 10 um, kind of different players each year, normally from the age group about 14 to 16, um, helping with just basically their, you know, a little bit of cricket coaching, but helping pay for their accommodation or travel if they're from the country, maybe buy them, you know, a cricket bat, um, or money to go towards education. Um, so maybe a little bit older because, you know, I was university, so he helped pay for my first year at university. So, so. so he gave you one of these scholarships? He gave me one of the scholarships. So, yeah, that would be a good 15, 16 years ago. So, um, How old is Basil? Um, he's, Basil's 90-odd. And you still catch up with him? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. So he's, to people uh, listening to me, that is the Pat Cummins I know. Like that's, um, you got a busy life. <laughs> but So and as I said, I don't want to embarrass you, but I think it's, to me, that is you, that the fact you're still catching up with Basil shows the type of person you are. I'm not going to ask you to comment on that because I'm going to embarrass you. You asked me how you need to prepare for this. You texted me last night and you said you're at the Coogee Pav. <laughs> so actually, before I ask you, what's life like when you're not playing cricket? So when this comes out, you'll be in India. Like, yeah. is, there, is there normal Pat or is Pat always thinking about, in this particular instance, India? No, I'm pretty good certainly much better than I used to be just switching off. Um, I think once I started playing all three formats and weren't injured all the time, I, I kind of, I was all cricket and I felt like I just got burnt out really, oh. really, really fast. So um, I'm much better now. When I'm home, I'm home. Um, so, you know, even if I've got to do some training, but I'll try and schedule that in like first thing in the morning, get it out of the way and then the day's mine. So, um, yeah, these couple of weeks I'll, just go to the beach most days. Go down, you know, take the um, take Albie into the pool. Go get coffees, catch up with some friends. Just went up the coast for a few days with family. Oh, where'd you go? Uh, Narrabeen, Northern oh, Beaches. Nice. Yeah, nice. nice. So, and so last night when you were at the Coogee Pav, yeah, how many dudes are coming up and wanting to talk cricket <laughs> with you? Uh, there weren't too many. Really? I was, no, I was with a few of the Sixers boys actually. Right. Um, no, there's a couple. It's like. It's funny, like a weeknight, you're normally pretty safe, but right. Saturday afternoon, you're pretty safe. And then once it gets to about three or four o'clock and everyone's got a bit more courage and you've got to, got to, got to duck out and of how there. And how do you deal with that when people come up and want to talk cricket? 
Ah, it's great. Um, yeah, most people that come up are awesome. So that's no, fine. Everyone's everyone always shares their stories of like what cricket meets them, which I think is cool. It's like Absolutely. oh, every summer I you know me and my dad go to the SCG or I was there at this test. So I reckon it's awesome because you, you do forget about that sometimes. Like even I was thinking about this year SCG. There was the day I think it was day three was rained out. Jamie Gray and there was something like twenty odd thousand people here. And yes. I was looking around. I was thinking everyone's woken up this morning or travelled to Sydney. They've all hopped on the bus or driven in. That everyone's got their own story that they do every year for the SCG. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, it's so different from our experience where we drive in and we play a game. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do yeah. enjoy hearing those stories. Yeah, it must be nice when people come up and say, oh, I was at Boxing Day when you did this or I was at such and such. You know, we all have those memories. It was Cathy Freeman in Sydney or whatever it might be. But when people come up and say, oh, Paddy, I was, you know, near here when you won the Ashes or something or I was there when Scotty Bowen was doing his thing or it must be must be nice. Oh, it is. And we play so much and I've got a terrible memory. So half of these things I genuinely forget. Yeah. Um, and hearing them, you know, like the... Scotty Boland, don't forget that. Uh, but yeah, the you know the last ashes I was here on that day when you did this and you won it on day four. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's it's pretty cool. Righto. You asked me how to prepare. We I get back to it. So I, I often read a lot about someone, um, and then make quite a few notes and then try and put them to the side. But to be honest, Patty, my preparation, apart from not bringing all the equipment, I've just had three days with my beautiful wife up north, um, away with three day big bash gap. For our wedding anniversary. So my preparation has been limited. So I've written Lucky down, woman. Go, go to the Big Bash. For no, no, I've been away from the Big Bash. No, we've been up at Cabarita. Oh, okay. Sorry, you ever been to a place called Halsey and House? No, I've heard Cabarita. of it. Got to go there. No, okay. I didn't take her to the Big Bash. I had three days off in the Big Bash. No, no, no. So I've written down four things and we're going to play a pop quiz because um, cricket's a statistical game. Yeah. What do these numbers mean in your world? And then we can get through your cricket journey. 47th. Uh, test captain. Yes, you are the 47th test yes. captain of Australia. 1946 <sighs> days. Okay, days between test matches. Yes, between your test match and injuries and then coming back to test cricket. Tells a lot of your story. Yeah. 21.25. Bowling average? Bowling average. Yeah. Of those that have taken 200 test wickets, only Malcolm Marshall... Joel Garner and Kirtley Ambrose have a better bowling average than you to 200 test wickets. Uh, my personal favourite, 3.2 million. <laughs> uh, before tax. <laughs> before exchange tax. Rate. And exchange <laughs> rate. <laughs> the IPL deal. And a final one for you. I think you won't get this one. 121. 121. I wouldn't spend too much time thinking about this one. No idea. That's my room number here at the Crown okay. <laughs> So like those numbers in some ways summarise your whole career, but where does it start? Tell me where um, where your folks are from, brothers and sisters. Tell me about young Paddy. Yeah, so we grew up uh, Lower Blue Mountains, about an hour west of um, city. Um, we had decent-sized backyard and, yeah, I just feel like my childhood was in that backyard outside. Got two older brothers so I'm one of five kids, two older brothers, older sister, younger sister. Mum and dad, all sports mad. Dad, cricket mad. Um, brothers, cricket mad. So as soon as I could walk, I was basically in the backyard chasing them around. All right, give me the backyard setup at the Cummins house. What was out, what wasn't out? I, I love discussing backyard cricket. <laughs> yeah, so it's like slight downhill. Right. Um, probably more than slight, actually. So you bowled with the slope behind you? Absolutely. Right. Um, 
the run out the run up was probably longer than the pitch. <laughs> the pitch right. was a good it was probably yeah, you know, eight, nine meters. Used to use a, a rubber ball. Um, and we used to mow the pitch every day before play and then get the hose and hose it down. So I had a bit of zip in. Oh, right. Bowler friendly. We, we say like a, a good 20 there is worth a test 100 okay. as a kid. And you're, you're facing your older brothers. Older brothers. Okay. Um, and then we had the, we used to have, so three of us, one bowled, one bat, one kept. And then we'd have the slip corners, the trampoline. Legit, we're here? Yep. Trampoline. Trampoline. Right. And then we'd, so... <laughs> Like rectangle, so behind the bowler, kind of mid-off, mid-on, that was the boundary, four and six, um, four along the ground, and then it's kind of had a fence, so above the fence was six, and then either side was um, half out if you hit it over the fence, and half out, so half if you did out. it twice, this you're is, out. Right, so you're half out. Half out. A nice variation of the rules up there. Yeah, but the curveball was they both had dogs and we we're all terrified of dogs. <laughs> So you're half out, but you had to go and get the ball. <laughs> so you could lose a leg. So my oldest brother, Matt, was terrified of dogs, so regularly he would be half out, hear the dogs barking, just go calm out. <laughs> oh, you'd just be dismissed yeah. full out. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And was there, as as the youngest, um, it would have been hard for you we, we, when you were – when you'd bowled for four straight hours and then got nugged over first ball, <laughs> were you straight back to the top of the bowling, Chris, or were you going inside and whinging to mum and dad? We were pretty good. We didn't have too many blow-ups. Um, like a couple of stories stand out. I remember I um, hit my brother in the head. <laughs> so he went into the shed, he got a helmet. And then I hit him where we don't want to get hit. Right. So he went and got a box and put right. it on. Right. And he just, well, just paddled up. Um, I remember that one game. I remember another time I got my brother out and he nicked it, 100% nicked it straight to electric wiki. No DRS. No DRS, um, huge spike on Snicker, but he didn't walk. <laughs> so I was fuming, so I just refused to bowl at him. So I just kept running in and just bowled wide after wide after wide <laughs> after right, wide. Right. And he'd have to go and pick it up, collect it, until it just, you know, the next thing the bat was coming straight at me and he was chasing me up as I was screaming for mum. But, yeah, it's like two older brothers, but age was never a, like, there's no handicaps for being the youngest, it was, yeah, good hard cricket every afternoon. And when the cricket was on the telly, because you're typically playing over summer, like, you know, you dash in and check the score, who who, who is your man, who, who you're watching? Well, it was early 2000s, so that era is, I mean, all of them really. Um, you know, Langer Hayden, opening the batting, punter, um, used to love. It got a little bit of Mark Wall, only the, probably his back couple of years bit too young um but Damien Martin hmm. and then you had you know Huss he started his career uh you know Gilly favorite Warney was awesome Mr. Trumbull leggies in the backyard um McGrath Binger they were, they were kind of yeah didn't have anyone in particular that was kind of held in high regard but that each of them yeah. so so to divert you for a sec what, what, tell me the player when you've walked into a cricket dressing room with or against that you thought, heavens above, I'm in the same team or I'm playing yeah. against X? Oh, Ricky Ponting. Was it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ricky Ponting. Because uh, I, so I debuted when I was 18. I finished school, had no you know, big aspirations career, but nothing, like didn't think I would ever, it was a career path. Didn't even comprehend that it would be. And then within a couple of weeks, I was playing for New South Wales. 
I thought, oh, geez, this, like, I might not have to get a job here. And then within a couple of weeks later, I basically had an Aussie contract. And none of it really felt real. Like I felt I was going to get the tap on the shoulder and kind of be like, come on, mate, like, the jig's up. You're not come meant on. to be in here, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember it wasn't until I was in the Aussie dressing room and I look around and it's whatever it was, November, and I was like, I should be in school here. Like this is school time wow. for the last 20 years, you know, 15 years. And I was like, okay, there's punter there, there's Mike Hussey there, there's Pup Clark there, there's Brad Haddon, there's Mitchell Johnson. And I was going around it all. I'm like, wow, this this is the Aussie team. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, punter presented my baggy green. And my first thought, I remember this so clearly, was, wow, like I fooled them all. <laughs> and they can't take this back. They've given right. it like, I thought up until that point, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, the jig's up, come on, off you get. And I was like, wow. once they give the baggy green, I was like, wow, this is serious. Um, so he was the one, like just whole life was he was on the TV every time I turned it on. And, yeah, now I'm playing the same game as he plays in. When, when it's a great story, Paddy, and we'll, we'll get back to that. When when um, Channel 10 got the big bash and they said, oh, all right, so we've signed up Ricky Ponting and Adam Gilchrist and Damien Fleming and Mark Waugh. And, well, I'd never worked on cricket apart from beach cricket before. And I remember my boss at the time, Dave Barr, I mean, you know, Ricky's coming in, we'll have a meeting with him or you have a practice commentary with him. I'm like, oh, I've never commentated cricket in my life. I'm packing it. And I'll never forget. So Ricky must have gone downstairs. It was level four at Channel 10 and sport was level five. And I presume he heard this because security rings up to the boss, Dave's office, says, ah, oh, mate, we've got a Rocky Ponting down. <laughs> Honestly, he's turned his back on Channel 9, who have had captains forever and a day, and he's joined this new operation, and our mate security's called him Rocky Ponty. He didn't mention it. He didn't mention it when he came up. But, yeah, that was my first introduction. That's the first time I've met him. I was similarly awe-inspired. Back to Pat in a moment. Next up on the show, an athlete that for mine has forged one of the greatest comebacks in the history of Australian sport, Lauren Jackson. Now, Lauren came on the show back on episode 99 and unfortunately she'd been forced to retire through injury. Her knees were completely gone, kaput. The greatest Australian basketballer of all time was finished. But Lauren somehow came back to basketball at the highest level. It is one of the great stories. So I go to the first Opals camp, which was in Canberra. And, you know, you can imagine what the girls were feeling like too. You know, it's not, it's a very strange situation, right? And um, I walk into my, like, pod at the AIS and Mariana Tolo was there and Killy Froling. And when I tell you I was so nervous, I was so afraid of what they were going to say, what they were thinking, if they thought it was just a joke, because it felt like a bit of a joke, really. I mean, it was just, I'd been out of the game so long that, Anyway, I uh, that was so lovely to me and I did not expect that. So those two really took me under um, their wings and, and Tolo I'll forever be thankful for. She's just been such a beautiful friend during this whole thing. But Keely as well, like just beautiful humans. And, um, yeah, they sort of took me under their wing, this 41-year-old ex-Opal. And, um, yeah, like we're just supportive and... The rest is history. Like I went out, we had training against these CO, the COE athletes, the, the boys who, you know, they're huge young kids. They're the next NBA players from Australia. They're, you know, they're going to have the world ahead of them. And um, so we're training with them. And 
playing a game and I played really well. That was the first practice session that I had back. And, and yeah, and I think from that moment on, the girls were just like, oh, I see, we see why she's back. I took a big charge, hit some shots, yada, yada, yada. The rest is history. Like, then they realised it was serious and, you know, yeah. <laughs> that is the wonderful, tough Lauren Jackson coming up next week on the show. Let's get back to Patty. Right, question for you, Patty. Frequent listeners to this show know that I've got a couple of kids um, that whoever's most invested ask a question to the guest. Um, they both invested in what you do, so they both have a question for you. But first you get awesome. my son, who's 11. His yep. name is Mac, but he rolls as the big penguin. This is uh, what we're talking about is his question. You ready? Ready for it. Hey, Patty, big penguin here. First off, I loved watching you at the Boxing Day test. It was so interesting. Anyway... I play in the nets all the time with my dad and my sister, but sometimes my sister doesn't want to play and it gets really annoying. But what I'm wondering is when you were younger, who did you play in the nets with? So when you've left the backyard, who's your net buddy? Great question, Big Penguin. Um, I I – it's a bit of a cop-out, but I used to not enjoy training that much. Did you not? No, because I used to – the backyard, bold, battered, kept, and you do it for a few hours and you had a good crack at all of them. Yeah. Um, again, you, you if you last more than 20 balls as a batter, you're doing all right. So I used to find sometimes going to the nets quite boring. Right. Because you kind of, you bowl and it's, you know, you're one of 10 other people bowling, then you get a bit of a bat and then your batting turns over. Or um, So even though like I used to go to some of the kids' clinics and I, I just, nothing for me, nothing beat Beat backyard backyard. cricket. Um, So I'd go to the nets occasionally, like maybe once or twice. Your dad would take us before a semi final and throw a couple of cut shots at us. That's when you knew it was serious. When dad was suggesting, because dad, you know, loved his cricket, but not like no pressure at all. So would he be? uh, Would he be wanting you to bat or bowl in the net? Oh, have a bit of both. Okay. Um, What did he? What did he send down? Your dad? What's his name? uh, Peter. What did Pete send? He's my height, six foot four, and he used to bowl the world's loopiest leggies. So, Go on, Pete. <laughs> you kind of, if you don't get to the pitch of it, it's up around your, you know, right. your ears. Not especially on the synth, though, <laughs> when it bounces. It. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, honestly, yeah, like backyard cricket, um, Jordan Silk, who's, you know, yeah. really, really good um, big bash player. He was in our area, so he used to go over his. He had a tennis court. Oh, um, over to Silk's. Was he a gun fielder at age... Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Was it? And um bit world's biggest cricket snuff at that yeah. age too. I remember going over his house a couple of times to watch an ODI and he had a score book and would score. <laughs> Come on. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Um but we we've got the tennis rackets out and you know, do the big serves and someone's got to try and bat from yep. five meters away and just yep. cop it. Yep. Um so yeah. I, yeah, nets weren't a huge part right. of my life. First um, bat. First bat was a county. A county? A county. Um, my brother bought it with his own money. Um, or oh, a hand-me-down? Hand-me-down. For um, free or did you have to buy it off him? F- uh, free, which if you yeah, if you know my bro- brother, that's a big deal. That he gives <laughs> <away anything for>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, lethal weapon. Then we had a uh, an angle drive. Oh, Remember that? yeah. Again, another hand-me-down. Um, and then I think... I think my brother loved punter. Uh, sorry, not punter. Um, Gilly. Yeah. So he printed out some Puma stickers oh, and, and hand colour them in, and then we we had the Puma angle drive. <laughs> so 
So I used that for a few years. So what would have been the first? Um, I always love with you guys and girls going back about the first game in the backyard. What, what, what's what's the first club you played for when you played a proper game in whites? Could have been in shorts. I don't know. Yeah. Um, who'd you play for first? Uh, Glenbrook Blacksland Cricket Club. Right. Um, so yeah, played there up until under fifteens or so. So you're starting what under what? Um, what would it be about under nines? Right. Um, and I was maybe a year young. Um, I'd fill in the odd game when I was a bit younger for my older brothers if there was people away on holidays and stuff. But oh, you hang around. Oh, we're sure oh, we yeah. get a game. Well, I used to hang my around. My son does that now. Does he? Yeah. yeah, he loves it. I used to hang around. Um, Dad always tells the story, and I remember it so clearly. So my two brothers would play uh, Sunday. They'd play rep cricket. Yep. And I was too young for rep cricket. But I'd go along, and they're big days. Like you drive there, you got to might be an hour on the other side of Sydney. You've got to get there an hour before first ball. It's a full Sunday, but I used to go. And, yeah, cricket I didn't really watch. You know, I'd get bored, but it was for the afternoon teas. So, <laughs> so I'd, I'd, I'd sink a good 10 hours investment just to get my afternoon tea. What were you into? Everything. <laughs> I would be first lining up, and then this is like – And you weren't even playing. No. Nah. And you're the front of the queue. In front of the queue. That's ballsy. I like yeah. that. And um, – it, it, I did it. I got away with it a few times until mum and dad found out and were horrified and it's still so embarrassed. I'd go and line up, I'd gorge myself and then I'd feel so sick. I'd actually go and make myself sick oh, no. and then I'd be straight back in the line. Right. <laughs> and it's only a 20-minute window right. tea. Yes, you got to get it in quick. And mum and dad had no idea until they saw me one time and I, like, I was, it caught me by surprise every time when I was having my 20th Leamington and suddenly I started to feel sick. But, um yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> Great story. So again, I asked you a hotel. What's what's the lunch now in world cricket that you're like? That's the one. Lords. Everybody Lord, says. Everyone, yeah, Lords is amazing. Um, can you it, take? Can you take full advantage? On a bowling, uh, on a batting day, you can. Right. Um, so MCG is awesome as well, but but Lords is like a a white tablecloth experience. So you walk up, it's got a menu on the board. Oh, so you get to choose. Get to choose. So it's like. Because most of it's, you know, you got your bain marie's, you're choosing your what you're going to eat. Lord's is it's got a, a menu on a chalkboard, so it's normally got a, a soup to start, and then for a main it's got three or four different mains. Beautiful salads on the table, and then the big kicker at Lord's is they do desserts, so they will have like a bread and butter pudding or oh. every flavour ice cream you can imagine. Um, <laughs> so batting days is just the best, and then. The uh, when you turn up each morning, they've got a tray of bacon and egg rolls Ready waiting, waiting in the change room. And they've got no idea this is the kid that used to devour twenty lamingtons with oh, he wasn't even inside. Oh. So in the team, uh, who's the who's the best? Well, actually, I'll get to Manus first. One of my favourite parts of the test is when he cooks his toasted sandwich, and then he's such a quirky character, and then he puts it in the fridge because he's oh, you got to let it cool down for half an hour. Like, who does that? Who does that? Cooks a toasted sandwich. He's ready to eat it, then he puts it in the fridge to cool it down. If you could sum someone up, that's him. That's him to a T. He's like just the preparation that goes into food as well. Like he's so diligent. Yes. And he's just got his own method and does it his own quirky way and just no one can understand why in the hell you'd do something well, like that. Well, it was it him that the coach got into because he had a toasted sandwich in yeah. his pocket? at the Gabba as well, same spot. It must have been, yeah, the year earlier. Um, Walked out with a toasted sandwich in his pocket. And just like could not work out why that would even, like doesn't everyone have toasties in their pockets all the time? He, for such a like a well, like 
he's doesn't have a scary confat on him. Unbelievable, he's Rick. Yeah, Jeezy eats a lot. Does he? So oh, is he the best constantly. on the? Is he the best? Yeah. Sure, you'd man the big Hoff and put a fair bit away, wouldn't he? Hoff's yeah, Hoff's good. Marshy, I mean any of the marshes. Oh, yeah, big at a sushi train. Right, really? Derailed a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Hoff's good. Hoff's very good. Yeah. So when so back to the the juniors, and you, you've already described being eighteen and playing for Australia. But were, were you were you the kid that everyone was like, oh, we're playing that Cummins kid this week? He bowls super fast. Like when did you start bowling fast? Faster, faster than the kids you were playing with. Yeah. Or, or did did it happen right from the start or not? I, I think so. Like it's kind of hard to know. Yeah. What other people say, but I, yeah, there was there was this one kid I remember, um, and it must have happened three or four times in a row. I would hit him in the leg and he'd retire hurt. So, was, <laughs> so after about the fourth year in a row where this kid's retired hurt, right. his mum's just, can you please just like, come on, like just look after the, the son. And I remember, like distinctly remember I was probably eight years old, not any kind of remorse in my, right. I'm thinking like this is serious stuff. I just remember thinking, well, he doesn't have to be out there batting. He can kick over his stumps. Like, oh, this is serious <laughs> you stuff. You can be like your brother and declare half out. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're always fast. Well, I think you kind of go in different ways, those age groups, because you just grow at different rates. Yeah, so I, I remember I'd be kind of fast for a year or two and then probably average. And then I think under 15, 16s, I started playing against men and – that's probably the first time I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm fast, not just for my age group, but fast compared to kind of other people as well. Who are the first men you play against? Uh, Always it like, like you know, I grew up in the country as well, um, yeah. and it's I don't think you get it in the city, but in the in the country or regional areas, you get the opportunity to play against men, and it's a bloody learning experience in in many different ways, Paddy. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, it's my home club's Penrith, so I played right. my career there. So right. playing as a 13-year-old, you know, play fifth grade or whatever, um, just local comp, but you get, like, you come against some scary grown men, yes. like people with beards. <laughs> I don't know what they're sending down, but I'm terrified. Right. <laughs> um, beards, tattoos, um, like angry looks at you. Um, got all this pent-up frustration all week and yeah, they're ready to have a the 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 13-year-old. <laughs> so um, played a few games of that. And, again, like I, I loved it because it's just like, oh, this is real competition, you know. Um, and then played grey cricket when I was under 16, so I was probably 15 or so. In the first? No, started, played a season in fours. Right, all right. Season in twos. Yeah. And then only a couple of games in first before playing for New South Wales, really. When was your first 100? I scored, yeah, like junior cricket, scored a few, and then scored one in first grade. Right. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, when I not probably 10 years ago now. Right. And as a kid, did you have a – like you got a trophy at home that's like Pat Cummins, like seven for four or anything like that? I never took a massive bag of wickets. Like, did you not? You waited till you got to test cricket to start yeah, doing that, did yeah. you? <laughs> um, no, nah, I, I don't know. Probably. I'm trying to think. Nothing nothing outlandish. Right. Nothing, maybe six for, you know, a few times. So when you're going through school, um, what, what's, what are you thinking? What are you thinking life's going to be? Uh, cricket didn't even factor in at all. At all? At all, no. Well, like Because you weren't, in your mind, at the level you're going to need to be. I, I just, I didn't know any professional cricketers. Like, I, for me, mm. I didn't even comprehend that that's a career path. <laughs> like, they didn't feel like real people, cricket players. 
so I remember thinking, oh, if I can get to first grade cricket, like that's, wow, that'd be amazing. And then played some underage stuff and I remember there was whispers, some kind of hinted one of the selectors that, that I might get a rookie contract the next year. And I just remember thinking, wow, like I'll get to train with professional cricketers. <laughs> like how good is that? Um, so it all happened really fast. So at school, like, you know, just, I was an okay student, um, signed up for university. What What would your report be saying? Pat is in class. Pat is? Um, probably not that focused. Right. <laughs> Chatty. <laughs> We've all had that. Yeah. We've all had that. I remember in, in one Latin subject, I got E for achievement, A for effort, <laughs> which is a real eye opener. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a slap. Yeah. So you tried hard That's and a, you still got an E. I was like trying to explain the thing. Hey, I didn't try that hard. <laughs> So, um, but did like you know you, you would have had careers days and stuff? Did yeah. you have a thought as to what you might like to do, or not really? Uh, not like or I, you didn't I liked, get that far. Yeah, I, I did a business degree, and the main reason was I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Right. So, both brothers were kind of did business. Um, so I thought maybe something in marketing, that kind of side of things. I quite like building. Um, so you know, maybe something. Yep. Kind of down there. Um, but I didn't know anything else other than kind of what my mates and brothers were doing and most of them were hopping off to uni. So literally lodged my papers for uni and got accepted in and then basically at the same time I was playing for, for New South Wales in Australia. So, yeah, I'm glad I, I did the degree. I was a very poor student but got through it because, um, again, like even after playing a test match, had injuries, I was like, I'm any minute this whole kind of ruse could be up. Yeah. It's funny you've said that a couple of times, but I mean, you've also, I knew it was a quick transition. So how, how many games of first grade cricket? So people listening, um, Paddy, we're talking about first grade cricket and then you go shield cricket for your state and then for Australia. How many games of um, first grade cricket did you play before you played a game for New South Wales? Ish. I'm not going to hold you I'm not going to but. 10? 10. Max. 10. Yeah. Did you get a stack of wickets or did you just bowl fast or? Probably bowling fast is, I think, is what yeah. stands out. Because um, you kind of, again, I didn't really feel like I earned the right to play for for New South Wales. I was like, even the guys in my team who had been doing it for a lot longer, I was like, these guys are much better than me. But So how do you find out you're going to play a game for New South Wales? Uh, I think, actually, I think the selector called me and was like, oh, well, you're going to be in the squad for the next game. And then the coach called me, New South Wales coach, said, oh, I would love to invite you down to training. Um and you know, we, you know, you might even have a crack at one of these games this season. I was like, oh, Selector actually told me I'm playing, mate. So really, <laughs> right? Um, so you hadn't been to training with New South Wales? No. And the, my first training session, uh, I turned up at the SCG. I got there really early, you know, half an hour early. There was no one around, and I was like, didn't even know where to go. So I just sat in the nets for half an hour. I'm like, geez, no one's around. And I, there's a lady in the office who had helped out with the second eleven game I played. I was like, oh. What's happening with training? Like, no, no, they're playing out at Homebush. Oh, no, first day. First day. So I was like, oh, no. So I've got to race it's out to quick, Homebush. It's a big journey. It's a big journey. So then here's me as the world's tightest 17-year-old as well. So I'm going out to Homebush. I'm like, well, I'm going to do what we used to do when we used to go and watch the Swansea. I'm not paying for parking. <laughs> so I went and parked in like Newington, which is like a 2K <laughs> walkway on the side of a street. And then I'm running with my kit bag into the stadium. And then uh, I was halfway through training and I was trying to explain it. it was, you know, just a miscommunication that as, uh, yeah, welcome to New South Wales so professional how, cricket. How long after that did you play your first yoga? 
So then that was Big Bash. So I played it, debuted a couple of days later for Big Bash. Right. And for... then New South Wales. So right. it was the year before the Big Bash League. Right. Stewie Clark was our, our captain. Um, Davey Warner was playing. Huh. And then finished that season and played the rest of the year. So we had three Shield games, a couple of one days. So how, how old are you? 17. 17. You wonder what this young man's going to be when he fills out and gets a bit stronger. Could be something special. Well, that's close. Did a pitch outside leg. No, it's given. Paul Rifle gives the opener out. Nick Kruger, the man in form, and Patrick Cummins, a young man, gets the breakthrough. 17, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, finish that season, um, domestic season, and they do the contract list right then. And, yeah, got a contract for the next year. For Australia? For Australia, yeah. And then, so so how many Shield games did you play before you played a Test match? I played three. Three yeah. Shield games? Three Shield games, yeah. I've played about three since. <laughs> wow. So was one of those a Shield final or was that later on? Yeah, that was that year, yeah. So you played in the Shield final. Where you, I, I looked it up. You bowled. I think it was 65 overs. 65 overs. Yeah. The other thing I saw in there, Paddy, was that um, you lost, but... Phil Hughes made a big hundred yep. in the first innings and made lots of runs in the second innings. Where were you when you when Phil passed? I was with Joshy Hazelwood actually. Um, Can I ask you about this? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and the reason I ask because I noticed again at the change rooms at the SCG, there's a tribute to Phil. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I played a, a little bit with Husey, um, played my debut test match. He was there um, and around New South Wales for, you know, my first few years um, before we went to South Australia. But uh, I was training with Joshy, Joshy Hazelwood, and we were at the SCG actually and we are just leaving to go and get some lunch and we saw some sirens and ambulances going down. Because I play at the ground. Because I play at the ground. And then we saw a helicopter and we like, oh, okay, that's weird. Anyway, we went and got lunch and then checked our phones and saw it was retired hurt and it's like something serious was going on. So... Um, that's how I felt. I was kind of there, but not there. Um, and then I think I flew out the next day to go and play like a a CA eleven game or something. And as soon as we arrived, we're like, "What the hell are we doing here?" Like, right. no one's in any kind of state to play cricket. Um, so yeah, that was yeah, just most challenging time for everyone. Um, and yeah, it's it's good playing the SG seeing the. You know, that statue every time you walk out. You know, Explain to people what it is because a lot of people won't have seen it. Yeah, so there's a right outside our dressing room as we walk onto the field every time. There's a, a plaque with Husey's photo and a, a little biography of um, of, of Husey. Um, a lot of the boys touch it on the way out. Yeah, touch it. And, you know, people like, uh, um, you know, Davey, Uzi, Smithy, really similar age group, played a lot of underage cricket together. All were part of the New South Wales squad as juniors together, and you know anyone that plays professional sport and you kind of the young ones, you stick together tight. Yes, they're the ones you spend almost every waking hour with. So um, really tight with a lot of the players. Um, and again, yeah, I think just we all love playing cricket, and yeah, to think something like that can happen in the cricket, I think that's still really. Eats away at people. Yeah. Well, it was inconceivable, wasn't it? You, ne- you never thought, like, you watch a Formula One race, in the back of my head there's a chance of motoring accident that someone's not going to – but but not cricket. Did you um, 
I remember speaking to Mitch Johnson about it and he's like, I don't know how I'm going to bowl a bouncer again. Did, did you have that right? I've just got to start bowling bounce again or it wasn't a thought process for you? Uh, I can't remember. I, I think it took a while. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely, again, I, I don't think you ever think of a consequence of bowling a bouncer or, or being really aggressive. You know, back then I was as aggressive as anyone else. You know, yeah. I used to love putting a batter through his paces and... Um, I think that just kind of now turned to okay, you're using that as a tactic as opposed to like a scaremongering, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I reckon that has changed. I think even so. It's more a wicket taking option. More a wicket taking, or yeah, you know, a tactical push them back yes. to then get them out as opposed to a just all out attack. You intimidation. know, intimidation. Yeah, intimidation. So. Uh, yeah, I think that has changed over the last couple of years. Even the, the language, I think the way we talk about it is more in that sense, more tactical as opposed to really aggressive of, you know, I'm going to show this bloke. Yep. Yeah. So you, you talked about um, Ricky and walking into the dressing room. Uh, like, so you've played three Shield games. you played 10 games of district cricket, as we call it in Victoria, or first grade cricket here, and then you, you're, you're wandering out there playing against South Africa. Where was it? Where, which, where was it? It was Wanderers, Wanderers. Joburg. Yeah. So what was it like? Uh, you obviously it didn't affect your performance because you got player of the match. You know, you made runs, you took wickets, you took six for you, hit the winning runs. Yeah. But but you're sitting there saying to me that you think they're going to find out that <laughs> the jigs up as you call yeah. it. That didn't concern you once you got out in the middle, or just um, went your way. See, I think Australia have found something very very special in this uh, youngster. He looks extraordinary to me. And some good carry through to Haddon to round up. Oh, it, it's funny. In some ways, the so we played some one days before it, and I'd only played two games for New South Wales, and I hadn't taken a wicket, <laughs> and I was going at about seven or eight and over. In, in 50 over cricket? In 50 over cricket. So I remember when I got my cap for LCI, I was like, I definitely shouldn't be here. <laughs> oh, so you hadn't taken a, a 50 over wicket for no. New South Wales? No, and I was playing, and my first ball. You must have photos of someone or something, yeah. babe. I don't know what's going on. And uh, my first ball was wide outside off, and Hashim like cut me for six over cover. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I told you I shouldn't be here. Like, he didn't listen to me. Set that beautifully. That is a very good shot indeed. That's over cover, over extra cover for six. That is class. Away she goes. Interesting introduction to uh, Patrick Cummins. In test career, there was a bit of that. I did feel like, not necessarily I'd earned my spot, but I felt like I'd bowled well in shield cricket and yeah. I'd, I kind of felt like I was good enough in shield cricket. It was, 12, it was six months earlier. I hadn't bowled basically a ball with a red ball for that time. So I was a bit nervous about kind of adjusting back to red ball cricket. But um, I, I do remember my first initial thoughts, my first spell or so was just don't embarrass yourself. Like, just try and bowl dot balls. Didn't even cross my mind to try and get a wicket. It was like, do a job that's good enough that people won't go, okay, that's embarrassing. Don't embarrass yourself. Yeah. And then um, and then I think just competitiveness takes over. Like, said, I'm always the youngest kid in the backyard playing against my oldest brothers. Yeah, they're older, but, like, there's no reason why they should beat me. Mm. And I remember having that sense straight away, you know, pretty quickly, like second or third spell, just thinking, okay, well, someone's going to take wickets here. Like, if it's not me, then who? Like, I might as well be the person. First test wicket? 
Hashimema caught Ricky Ponting. Cummins. Edged and caught. Ricky Ponting doesn't miss too many of those. Cummins has picked up his first wicket. Brilliant stuff from Cummins. That's a moment he's going to remember for a long, long time. 18 years of age, and he's got his first test scalp. And yeah, like even some like a Jax guy, so I remember really thinking, wow, this guy's unbelievable. Hard to believe. Patrick Cummins, he was just two years of age when Jacques Callis made his debut against England in Durban. Now he's playing against him. And thinking, oh, okay, well, he's just a person. Like, you know, uh, I'm a person, he's a person. Like, so what? Let's have a crack. Got him! Fine delivery, great line of length. Callis nicks off, comfortable catch in the slip for Clark. And Australia have struck again. Again, I don't really know where that comes from, but I remember feeling that quite quickly in each step. You know, when I played for New South Wales, I felt that quite quickly. When yeah. I played for Australia, each step up, I I had that frame of mind quite quickly. So six for in the second innings? Yeah. And then you hit the winning runs? Yeah. And you got player of the match? Yeah. Like, what, what, like <laughs> so, okay, so you talked about there's all those bikes in the dressing room and then you're in the dressing room and you've got, I don't know, your little man of the match check there. <laughs> you got your six for in your back pocket. I presume you're having a beer. No, I, I wasn't. Right. I was... Um, which again, I, I wish I did now, but I um, I was cooked. My heel basically it was in smithereens. Um, so I think on day, it just got worse and worse. Bruised fat pad, which is kind of the heel part. And yep. then just by keep bowling on that, it turned into a stress fracture. So I couldn't walk um, to the point where, so halfway through day four, the second innings, I, I got an injection into my heel. Oh. Uh, yeah, not oh. nice. But once it was in, it was the greatest feeling ever because I couldn't feel you my couldn't heel. Feel it. Um, so that had worn off. So day five when I was batting, um, hobbling around. So I was I was injured. And I think the Gabba Test match was starting in like under a week away or something like that. So in my back of my mind was like, okay, I just finished Test, but I want to do another one, another yeah, one, another right. one. So, um, yeah, it was amazing. I, I, again, I remember that moment thinking, Wow, that's uh, that's certainly gone to plan that week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but looking around and it's going, okay, well, there's Ricky Ponting. He's scored 3,500s for Australia and done it for 15, 20 years. Mike Hussey, okay, he's done this. And Michael Clark, he's won World Cups. And looking around going, okay, well, who cares about a one-off game? Like if I really – I'm not in the same league as these guys. Like I've got a lot of cricket to play to prove myself. That is the end of Pat Cummins' Part A. Plenty more coming your way on Part B.